This morning, I'm going to activate your individual ministries. How many of you are saved? You know Jesus as your Lord and Savior this morning, okay? This morning, to declare your salvation means that you have placed your sins upon the body of Christ at the cross, and he took the wrath of God's judgment for our sin at that cross. And because that faith in his work washes you clean, then the spirit of God's own nature comes to dwell in you. And so now Christ is in you, and that's the hope of glory. And you know what we've done with that verse, Christ in you, the hope of glory? We've postponed it. We've made that a verse about heaven. That someday, Christ in me, it's, it's the hope of glory. And we call heaven glory. Oh, someday we're going to glory. But for now, we just got to get by the best we can. And, and that is not what God intended. God figured out that if I could cleanse you from your sin, and if he could put his spirit in you, he would have heaven on earth wherever you went. He would have the authority of heaven to decree and to issue the will of God into your workplace, on your block, in your neighborhood, in your marriage, and in your home. You see, hope is an expectation and glory is his nature. So Christ in you, the hope of glory, is the expectation of his nature. Christ in you, it's the expectation of his nature. It dwells in you. So there's an expectation that where you go, God will show up. Amen? And so God's full in this house. That's why there's such an anointing in this house right now. Because the hope of his glory, the expectation of his nature is here. And so the church, the called out ones, the government of God are making decrees this morning for the will of heaven to fill earth. Amen? Did anybody pray for something this morning? Did anybody ask God and execute the judgment and will of God to come forth? Anybody? Amen. I'm glad. I hope you did. Amen. And so that's what I want to talk to you about. I want to talk to you about manifesting or activating the will of God. I call it reaching through the door. And if, if you'll just uh, be patient with me, I, I want to tie this in and help you understand what I'm talking about. Mark 16, verse 17, you all know it. And it says this, And these signs will accompany those who believe. In the King James it says, And these signs will follow those who believe. Okay? And, and so that's how I remember it. They'll follow me. They'll come alongside. And that's our hope. And there's four uh, expectations in this commission of Jesus. The words of Jesus and these signs. The better translation is will accompany instead of follow. Because some of you feel that you walked up too far ahead of those things and they haven't caught up with you yet. But it's an accompaniment. These things are going to accompany us, and there's, there's four of them. You know them. We're going to speak with new tongues. In other words, we're going to talk in the language of heaven. That makes sense. We're going to intercede in the language of heaven as the Spirit intercedes within us the perfect will of God. We're declaring that into the earth. We'll speak with new tongues, the language of heaven. We're going to cast out demons because he was beaten at the cross, and, and we're going to go into this world, and we're going to deliver people from demonic activity in their lives. Is anybody willing to do this? Have you been doing this? We begin to pray it out. We decree it out. We're going to cast out demons. We're going to lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. So we pray for sickness and disease because the cross defeated that as well. And so there's the expectation of his nature, right? 
And then the last one is a peculiar one, and we've got some folks who, who play around with it, where they'll pick up snakes and it won't harm them and no poison will, you know, and some people mess with that. Basically what that's saying is that no uh, hindrance of disease and sickness or the enemy or any animals and so forth are going to stop the advancement of the kingdom of God, all right? You can still get bit by a snake. It doesn't give you a promise that you're never not going to get bit by a snake. What it's saying is that it's not going to stop the ministry of the Word of God. We're going to go forth and nothing's going to stop us. And we're going to advance the kingdom. And so, uh, again, if you'll oblige me, I just want to go into this. I love the meaning of words. And so I had to look up this word. These signs will accompany them. And so the word in the Greek is this, parakolutheo. Para means beside. It's the same word we have for the parakletos, the Holy Spirit. He's called alongside of us. And this word means that not only is the Holy Spirit working alongside of us, but his manifestations are working alongside of the church. You getting this? If you house the Holy Spirit, again, how many of you house the Holy Spirit? Okay, okay all right, amen. It's going for all of us. We all house the Holy Spirit. Then there's an expectation that the manifestation of the Holy Spirit comes alongside of what we do. So when you cast out, you speak to the demonic, they got to go. You speak to sickness and disease, it improves. Because para means it's beside, and a kolutho means companion. So in other words, it means that these signs, these manifestations are the companions of believers. Did he say only those who are paid professionally to be religious leaders? Did he say clergy and laity? No, see, that doesn't exist in the New Testament. There is no clergy laity. There are sons of God. There's the bride of Christ. Amen? There's one people, the ecclesia, the called out ones. And so the manifestation of his presence comes alongside you. You carry it. So it is not just that you have the Holy Spirit in you to make you feel good on Sundays. You have the Holy Spirit in you to manifest the kingdom's presence for people who need it. Are there any demon-possessed or oppressed people around you at work or in your neighborhood? You better believe it. Are there sick people around us? Are we manifesting and praying that which accompanies us? And that which accompanies us is the very presence of God. Now, again, I love this portion, this depth of this word, because as you go further, Paul used it in 1 Timothy 4, 6 and in 2 Timothy 3, 10 as a word that means to attain knowledge, to investigate and thoroughly. Uh, 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 the, the idea that it comes along, knowledge will come along with this thing. In other words, these signs will become knowable when they see Christians. In other words, it, it's identified. Someone just got set free. Hmm, must have been a Christian over there. See, I, I, I'm believing for God to restore his church to its original design instead of us uh, putting things away and in the closet and in drawers, well, that was for the early church. That doesn't need it anymore. Are you telling me this world doesn't need the gospel of Jesus Christ in its full power? Right? Wake up. And so we need to bring along with us 
what has been given to us to manifest, and the knowledge of it should become evident to everybody else. They must be Christians. See, I, I remember a time, I don't know if Ron Tolfrey's here, Ron and I were in Pakistan, and we were staying in a hotel, and uh, that was an interesting experience. And so as we're staying in a hotel, it's a Muslim hotel, and we're doing Christian ministry, they found out we were Christians. And so I remember coming back to our room one night, and there was a man standing there, and he said, look at, would you pray? I know that you're Christians. Would you pray for my brother-in-law? I said, yeah, we'll pray. And, and we had to invite him up to our room. You don't be, you're not going to be praying in Jesus' name in a Muslim hotel in the lobby. So we went up into our room, we began praying, and I laid hands on him, and he began to manifest in the demonic. And then we began to cast out that demon, bind that demon, and cast it out. Because the Muslims understood that if there's sickness or if there's demonic, you go to a Christian. Because they gained the knowledge that these signs occupy their lives. They came to the knowledge of that. How many of you know that America needs to re be restored in the knowledge that you go to a Christian if you need help? Yeah. Amen? They, that's why we have a prayer tent right outside this, this uh, church. Because five days a week, they come here with the knowledge. See, they gain the knowledge that these signs, this evidence shows up where there are Christians. And that's what I'm getting at. That's, that's us. Now, that's what we carry. Now let's look at what God does to meet us in this activity. Let me share with you a few scriptures. Acts chapter 14, 27. And when they arrived and gathered the church together. Say that with me. Gathered the church together. Because where was the church? Out doing church. Out being church. Manifesting the evidence and knowledge of the, the Spirit in their lives. When he gathered them together, they declared all that God had done with them. That's why you gather as a church to tell what God has done all week long as you've been out there ministering and manifesting the presence of God. We come together to rejoice and say, Woo, woo, you wouldn't believe what happened to me this week. We gathered together for a rally to let them know what God had done and how he had what? Opened a door of faith to the Gentiles, to the pagans, to the lost. Opened a door. Now this is what God's doing in the spirit. What you're doing is manifesting that presence by laying hands, by casting out, by speaking and moving. And what God is doing in the spirit is opening doors. Look at Colossians 4.3. At the same time, pray also for us that God may what? Open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I'm a prisoner. Paul is opening for what? Uh, praying for what? Door to open. Now, now is, he, is he talking about the cell that he's sitting in as a prisoner, hoping, oh God, open up this cell. I'm praying for an open door. <laughs> Peter got an open door. How many of you remember that? Peter was in prison. He prayed for an open door. I, I don't think he even prayed for an open door. Angel just said, come on out, come on. But this is, so what is this open door we're talking about? They gathered together and celebrated the door that God opened for them. Paul's praying for an open door. What realm are we talking about a door being opened? The spiritual realm. And it impacts what? The unbelievers. You getting this? They're unaware of it. They don't know a door opened. Somebody should know a door opened. Who should be the ones who know a door opened? 
us. They're oblivious to it. And, and he goes on, he says this, Revelation 3, 7. The Lord says to the church of Philadelphia, See, I have placed before you what? An open door. Nobody can shut it. But we can ignore it. We can walk right by open doors. Jesus opens up doors every day for us. Doors of ministry, doors of opportunity. And guess what? We walk right by a door. And we could be walking into a new level of glory, from ever-increasing glory, from glory to glory to glory. But we pass right by it many, many times. And he says, look at nobody can shut this. Devil can't shut a door I open. I need you to minister right now. The only reason that we don't go through that is our choice. So he'll open doors constantly. 1 Corinthians 16, 8 and 9. But I will stay in Ephesus until the Feast of Pentecost for a wide door for effective work has opened to me. There are many adversaries. Woo, he got a double door here. A wide door. You can't walk by this one. You got to do something. Right? Now, the devil can't shut it. We already know that the devil can't shut a door. So where's the devil going to hang out? At an open door. He knows something opened in the spirit realm. He can't shut that door. So what's he going to set around that door? Adversaries. Because he doesn't want you. He wants you to quit on the open door. The last thing he wants is for you to open your mouth and present the gospel where God has opened a door in the Spirit. You see, this thing God has asked us through the foolishness of preaching, the Bible says, is to win the lost. He has asked us to get involved in this activity so that we would relate person to person, ear to ear, voice to voice, hand to hand. We would relate the gospel of Jesus Christ. He said, I'll open the door for you, but you got to go in. You've got to produce. You've got to manifest my glory in the physical realm. I already came here physically. And so I went so that I could fill my spirit in you so that you would physically show up as the expectation of my glory, the hope of my glory. That's why Jesus is in us. I'll open the door, but I need you, I need you to go in. And the devil knows that, so what he wants to do is stop you from going into that open door that God established. He knows he can't shut it, but he can shut you. And many of us have fallen prey to this adversary of an open door. We have the opportunity to step through that open door and reach the lost or reach someone who is in despair, reach someone who's suffering, reach someone who is sick and ill, reach someone. The enemy is going to try and bite you with serpents and try and kill your faith with poison of thought and so forth to stop you. And so we have to become aware of how he does this. One thing he'll do is he'll tell you you're not good enough. You're not good enough to witness for Jesus. You don't have enough intelligence. You don't know enough about the Bible to witness. What if they ask you a question you don't understand? What if you pray for them in their sickness and they don't get well? You're just not good enough. And so we quit. Oh God, please send someone else. Right? Could you imagine if, if you were at a, a restaurant, at a store, and you opened the door for someone and they said, no thanks, I'm going to wait uh, uh, for someone else to open it for me. What an offense. Wouldn't that be offensive to the person who held the door? I'm not good enough to open the door for you. Jesus opens a door before each one of us every day. We'll say, we're not good enough to go through. 
Come on. That's a lie from the enemy. You are equipped with the presence of the Holy Spirit. I am telling you that if even in a failure you win, even in a failed attempt to witness, you will win. I'll never forget the uh, different experiences I had where I, I remember witnessing to a friend and getting into discussion and witnessing with them all night. I went home and I thought, that was a complete waste of time. I'm an idiot. I'm a fool. I really failed you, God. And I was examining what everything I said. I got up the next day. That friend called me and he said, you know what? I accepted Jesus Christ last night because of our discussion. Obviously, it wasn't because of my argument. <laughs> It was only because what he saw in my attempt to speak for Jesus, he saw my faith. You see, just do it. Your faith will win the situation. You don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to get it right. Secondly, he's going to say, you, you don't know what to do. I don't know how to pray for the sick. Uh, lay hands. Where do I touch him? I don't know what to touch him. What am I supposed to say? I don't have any oil on me. <laughs> You're going to have to ask someone else. Here's an effective healing prayer. Jesus, would you heal this person? Amen. Let him go to work. But he opened a door. He just needs you to show up and to speak. Release what he's got you to do. Well, maybe I didn't hear right. Maybe he doesn't want me to speak to that person. Maybe I better pray about it. Maybe I better think. Should I witness to him or not? Where do you think you got that idea from? Maybe the devil told me I should witness to them. House divided? Are you sure about that? Well, maybe I heard wrong. Maybe I'm not supposed to. Not supposed to witness? We got the command 2,000 years ago. Go! Be my witnesses. Be a light. Put it out there. But we're afraid of rejection. Come on, everybody admit it, right? Lift your hand up. I'm afraid to be rejected. All right, would you confess that? Can we get that out of the way? All right? Well, they'll reject you anyways, whether you say anything or not. I mean, get over it. You're already rejected by the world. The minute you identified as Jesus, reject. All right, so let's get that past us. What they're rejecting is Jesus. Jesus said they're not rejecting you, they're rejecting me. And in fact, you need to give them, now this is a tough statement, you need to give them the opportunity to reject Jesus. They have to be confronted with the concept that they have been approached by the Lord Jesus Christ and they have rejected the Lord Jesus Christ. Now that needs to get out there because you need to offer it. And, and what will happen, most of the people sitting in this room, most of the people saved at one time were confronted with the gospel and rejected it and, and couldn't get rid of that thing. It just kept... kept the hounds of heaven wouldn't let it go, just tracking you down. This Jesus, this Jesus, you couldn't stop it. But if they never heard, so don't worry about the first rejection. It's an imperishable seed. You just plant it. Don't worry about the soil. He'll work it. Last of all, just this defeated attitude. Growing weary in well-doing. Is there anybody out there growing weary in well-doing? Come on, I know. Yeah, I know. 
Because this society is getting worse and worse. It seems like the church is just going down the tubes. But there's one equation. You know my favorite equation that will always work. My favorite equation is this. Where sin abounds, grace will always superabound. Amen? So when someone tells you, oh, the world's going to hell, the Antichrist is coming, the devil's going to take over the world, you go, oh, I'm sorry, that's not the equation of the Bible. Oh, sin will abound, but guess what's going to superabound over that? The grace of God, which is sufficient for all our needs. So let's get over a defeated attitude. See, a defeated attitude will make you quit, growing weary and well-doing. If you do not quit, you will receive the harvest. You may not see it, but God will receive the harvest. Amen? So let's get past the adversary of the enemy, and let's begin ministering as that presence is in us and God opens doors. So you need to become sensitive to open doors. You need to become aware of it. It could be just a little tinge. It could be a little idea and a little thought. Act on it. In fact, it should be manifesting in you continually. When you walk into a new environment of a store, your first question is, Lord, what do you want to do today? Come on, it's an adventure. This is a treasure hunt. This is fun. I'm going to Target today. Got to go to the clearance section and then ask, Jesus, what do you want me to do? Who do you want me to talk to? And you begin looking, and all of a sudden, you're going to start seeing open doors, open doors. You'll get used to knowing when a door is open. Some of you will have a door wide open, then you'll, uh, others you'll see, oh, it's just a little crack, but I'm taking it. It's open. And so let me, let me just share with you a story that I ex- experienced just la- this last week and a half. My wife and I went away. We went to Utah for two weeks and walked through God's nature in the five national parks. It was amazing. It was amazing. And so uh, we had an experience <clears throat> one morning as we got up. Uh, I think we went to, where did we go, McDonald's? Of course. We went to McDonald's for breakfast. And uh, as we got there, um, it, it was early. We wanted to get to the park early. So we got up, we, we, we went there, and there was a guy behind the register, maybe in his 30s, pretty unkempt. It, 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 he didn't look too swift. And, and he's trying to take our order, and I'm going, this guy's not too swift. I could tell. And, you know, I had this attitude, it's like, he'll probably get it wrong, you know. And, uh, and, and I really sensed the Lord say, uh, take a look at this guy. And so the, the first thing I recognized is that I was critical. And so I'm not going to hear from the Spirit if I'm going to override his sensitivity by my critical nature. Right? So we've got to stop being critical and observe everyone with compassion. So what if he gets my order wrong? Let's not get his order wrong. Right? The man has needs. I know where God can answer those needs. But my critical spirit can shut the door on an open door. And so I recognize, I heard the voice of the Spirit said, stop being critical of this man. And he said, observe him. And I remember learning a long time ago to observe in the Holy Spirit, to have compassion. All right? The ABCs of ministry, availability, bold believing, and compassion of Jesus. Availability, there's, right? 
Bold believing, there's the open door, and seek compassion. So I step back, and I'm watching this guy. Okay, I'm going to observe, so I'm going to watch. I'm going to look. Okay, Holy Spirit, I'm looking at him. What do I see? And so I see this guy. He looks kind of a little hungover. He looks a little, you know, what's going on with him? And so then I notice a tattoo right here. He's got an atheist tattoo. I don't know if you know the atheist logo. And I'm thinking, oh, man, this dude's an atheist. Hmm. All right. Now i got to deal with that. Let me figure out. Should I just leave this alone? Because he's going to reject me right out. And so, again, I had opinions, though I was looking at him with a sense of hearing from the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit said, stop passing judgment. I can't hear what the Holy Spirit wants to do if I am assessing him in my opinion. And see, folks, I want you to get in tune with the Holy Spirit. Stop being critical and stop assessing in your opinion. Or you're not going to hear what they need. You're going to give them something you think they need and that, instead of what the Holy Spirit's saying. So I said, okay, okay, uh, I don't know. I'll just listen. So we got our food. We sat down. And, and we're having conversation. And, and I'm praying. And I'm trying to listen to the Holy Spirit, and listen to the Word, and for a word of knowledge. And something popped into my head, and I thought, headache, I heard headaches, head hurts. Okay, all right, I'll go with that. I'm going to go talk to an atheist guy about headaches. How am I going to do this? So he conveniently goes on break, and he goes, sits right behind us for a break, right? Not good enough for me. Lord, do you want me to talk to him or not? Should I talk to him? When should I talk to him? Do I want to interrupt his meal and say, do you have headaches? And I'm thinking, I don't know. And so we're having conversation, I'm eating. All this is going on internally and all this kind of stuff. You know how it is. So I go, okay, yeah, I'll go. I'll talk to him. Um, okay, so i got to talk to him. He's an atheist, and he's... If there's headaches or not, what if he doesn't? Then he's just going to laugh at me. He's going to say, oh, yeah, you're a god. Ha, ha, ha. That's why I'm an atheist. Uh, so you're going through all this conversation, right? So then my wife says, I'm going to go use the restroom. So there I am. All right, I'm going to make my move. I'm just going to do it. Because I thought, you know what? As an atheist, he needs to hear the gospel. At least just be confronted. He can reject it. But at least someday when he stands before God, uh, he'll hear that uh, I approach. Okay, I'm going to get up. And so I get up and I go. And he gets up and he walks out. And he goes into the back. And I, I can't see him anymore. And we're done and it's time to go. And it's like, ah, I missed it. And then I see him, and it's like, okay, I, I'm going to go see him. And he walks out the back door, and he leaves. His shift was over. Oh, man. Why did I hesitate so long? Why did I not engage? You see, there was an open door as I heard from the voice of the Spirit, but anything, I was too slow. I was waiting too long. So we go to our car, and I notice him walk out the back door, and he goes and he sits in his car, and he's just sitting in his car. And so I turn the car, and I didn't tell my wife any of this. And so we're in the car, and I start it, and we're ready to go, and she goes, what are you doing? I'm going, just a minute. 
And I'm watching them going, should I go? Should I pray for someone? What about, how am I going to walk up to this guy in a car? And, and, I, and so then I told her, and she said, well, come on. So I was like, all right. So I pull the car over, and I go up behind him, and I say, you know what? I need to be obedient to the Holy Spirit. And I go up, and I walk, and he's smoking a cigarette, and he's got a phone. And I, and I approach his car. I didn't want to scare him. I go, hey, hey, how you doing? He goes, yeah. I go, uh, I said, look, it, i got to ask you a question. I said, do you have a problem with headaches? He goes, no. <laughs> and I remember listening to different teachers and speakers that always use the event to speak of Jesus, no matter what the outcome. And I said, you know what? I said, look, I'm a Christian trying to learn the voice of the Lord, and I just thought I heard from God that you had a problem with headaches. He goes, oh, I am too. I'm a Christian. I rededicated my life to the Lord eight months ago. I said, are you kidding me? He goes, yeah. He said, I just got out of rehab. And he said, uh, I, I've tried, I'm trying to hear God, I'm trying to listen to his voice. And he said, I have suicidal thoughts in my head continually. I said, man, there's your headache right there. <laughs> said, yeah, man, because, you know, uh, you got, I realize you've got to go deeper in that word. You get a word, you've got to flush it out. What does it mean? It may not mean on the surface of what you think it means. And this man was hounded in his head by suicidal thoughts. And he had his phone, and he said, oh, that's my son. I was trying to get a hold of him. He's not answering his phone. And this guy was just down and out. And I said, look at man. I said, God wants you to know that he wants to deliver you of that oppression in your head and that you matter to God. Because this guy's suicidal, and he's turned back to God. Obviously, uh, I didn't even deal with the atheist thing. Who cares? He's returned his life back to Jesus. And so I said, can I pray with you? He said, yeah, please, man. And so I lay hands on him, I begin praying for him, and I'm praying to bind that demonic spirit in his head that is speaking suicide to him, and I begin speaking life to him. And I said, look, I'm from Detroit. God sent me from Detroit to come to you to tell you that you matter to God. You're important to God. Your life matters. And I began speaking life into his relationship with his son as it was estranged and speaking unto him. And God began to, I said, what's your name? He said, Joseph. And, and bam, the whole Spirit just said, oh man, you were once in prison, but God's going to take you out of prison, Joseph, and he's going to elevate you and put you in a place. The door went wide. It went wide open, and guess what? It had nothing to do with me. I was lame getting there, but he just needs somebody, and I was, I was flying. I went back to the car, to go, ah, Jesus! We're rejoicing. So it doesn't matter if you get it wrong, because when you're doing it with Jesus, wrong becomes right. Any witness, any effort, and it opens a door. And so I'm speaking you, to you this morning that there is a treasure that God has for you in every experience. And when you get that sense of paying attention. The enemy's going to come in and say, you're not good enough. You don't have the right word. You're not hearing right. Maybe you shouldn't. Let someone else do it. Of, don't listen to any of that. But go there. And if, the, if it seems to move on, follow it. Because there's a treasure in heaven for that. Amen? 
Amen. Father, we thank you. And we want to activate your ministry in our lives. We want to have these signs be known to follow us. We want this manifestation of your kingdom. So open doors, Lord, in our lives. Each one of us, open wide the opportunities and give us the sensitivity to know that, Lord, we will serve you and bring you into people's knowledge and awareness.